Welcome to the session, a basketball podcast. I'm your host, Ben. I'm joined by Omar, and we are here to get this thing going. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, Ben. And um, this is it. This is where we shine, right? If this was, if things were normal, I'm sure, you know, we'd be, we'd be talking a little bit more about off-season things and all that. But because of the craziness of the bubble, things have yeah. started a little bit later. But this is where we shine and we got some good topics to talk about, Omar. So let's start off with the NBA restart. Let's get I, into it. I know that they have picked a date. The NBA has picked a date in which they're thinking of restarting the NBA. And the players are like, wrong. right, I'm ahead out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for good reason, too. Yeah. And for good reason, too. Yeah. But <laughs> I think the date that they picked was December 22nd. Yeah, I think that I think that was it. They wanted yeah. a pre-Christmas restart, get that Christmas money, Christmas, get the day Christmas revenue. money. Adam Silver does not give a crap about any of these players right now. <laughs> LeBron's like, please, sir, please. please. I've just been playing 82 games and then I played <laughs> the, the bubble games and the please. My hyperbolic chamber. I need to get out on, on a certain time. So, well, first of all, like what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's too early? Obviously, it's a cash grab, but yeah. How do you think this looks for the NBA? And more importantly, how do you think players are going to respond to this? So there's a whole bunch of things at play here. But in a perfect world where none of that other stuff mattered, I would want the players to have a little bit more time off. I would want them to sp- get the chance to spend the holidays with their families. And in the new year, you kick off the NBA season. You play a shortened season. You play 55 games or 60 games or however many you can reasonably squeeze in get the finals wrapped up before the Olympics so anyone who wants to participate can. In a perfect world, I think that's how it should go. But we have all kinds of competing priorities. You know, we got money to think about. We have the lost revenue and how that affects salaries. We have uh, Olympics to think about. We have uh, players have been off for a really long time. A lot of the league, I mean, my Chicago Bulls have not played a, ba- <laughs> a, a basketball game in a very long time. And if we're talking about a meaningful basketball, they haven't played a meaningful basketball game in years. So <laughs> they've been say, off. They, they have not been played, brother. <laughs> they have been off. So I don't know, man. It's it. There's 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 a lot at play, and and I'm sure even within the players, like not to lump them all into one category, uh, some want to return and some want the time with their family. It's it's an imperfect world, right? And and to to top it all off, you have TV contracts that you, where you need to hit a minimum number of games, and that's why I think the NBA is aiming for seventy or seventy-two, so they hit those local market deals and all of these things. Like if I'm a basketball player. I could care less about a lot of those things unless it starts affecting my bottom line, right? So there, there's there's a lot at play. But if in my opinion, start after the year, let them spend time with your families, and then go for 60 games. That's that's my sort of thinking as well. Definitely a shortened season. And uh the way I've always seen the NBA is it's a players league. And I think that um, Adam Silver is not stupid. I think he realizes that as well. Yeah. I think starting too early and having a bunch of disgruntled superstars. Now, don't get me wrong. If um, if a barely if barely a player like Paul George gets mad at the fact that it's starting too early, then that's not a big deal, right? Paul George is barely a basketball player. George um, Paul? These guys don't matter. 
but we're talking about LeBron James. He yeah. is not happy at all. And I think uh, a report recently came out or just some rumors that LeBron is unhappy with this. He is not a fan of getting the season started so early. Definitely wants some time to spend with family because the bubble has been extremely difficult for everybody. Yeah. Um, especially the fact that it sort of feels like prison. And we have seen those JaVale McGee vlogs. That food is definitely prison level, right? So yeah. the, the the teams that did participate, it has been it has been very difficult for them to kind of get reacquainted with life again. So I am totally on board with you. I think a shortened season is in order. And um, I think that starting a little bit later would probably be the best for players because I don't think if history has shown us anything with disgruntled stars, they they somehow just get their way. More more recently, at least, yeah. if if a player's unhappy with their team, they will make their way out. That's just yeah. the way things go. And yeah. if a bunch of players unhappy within the league, you know, it, only time will tell what would happen with something like that. But I don't think that risk is worth taking even if it means taking a little bit uh a little bit you know lower on the revenue side but on that note as well now that i just said that uh did you know that as of i think january 1st or or something the nba has lost close to a billion dollars so yeah i've been i've been seeing i've been seeing numbers like that thrown uh thrown around and it's like what is a billion dollars? Like we, we mm. can't even fathom it, right? Like you and I, like we can't even, oh. we, we hear the number, we yeah. hear the number and, 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 and we know it and, and we're both business students and we've taken courses and we understand how markets and economies work and stuff like that. But when you really think about it, a billion dollars, like that is an insane amount of money to try to fathom. And, and the league losing that, I mean, it's, it's definitely hurting them. It's hurting the players. It's hurting everyone involved, but you got to context contextualize it, right? Like everyone's losing money, right? Like all the leagues are suffering, right? So it's, this is just how the economy is. I think it's a little silly to expect close to pre pandemic numbers. Yeah. Um, in this, in this, in this pandemic that we have right now with the second wave going on and, um, everything that comes with it. I I think it is a, I think it is a bit silly to expect things like that, but I remember that just catching me off guard. The fact that it's close to a billion dollars. And as I said, you know, like, uh, as you had said, actually, uh, to me and you, it's, it's something unfathomable. It's, it's so big. It's so large of a number that you can't even, you can't even comprehend it, but for big players and owners and the commissioner, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe when you put it in, when you put it into perspective, it's a loss that they can take. Yeah. Uh, but I guess my question to you is how, how big of a dip can they take in these revenues to continue? Like, what incentive do they have to continue going if it means that they're going to be operating at such a big loss? So it's it's. Um, I, th- I think what we gotta we, what we gotta remember is they're a monopoly, right? When it comes to when it comes to their sport, the NBA is a monopoly. There is no other professional basketball association that can rival the NBA. So the NBA has the ability to, you know, take certain measures and absorb certain losses without fear that their new competitor is going to show up and kind of run them for their money. Right. Whereas like other businesses can't always do that. Right. Like restaurants can't operate at losses indefinitely or anything like that. Right. So 
I think that's 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 the one big distinction. And then and then the other thing is it's important how we frame some of these things, right? Like the billion dollar loss, it's like or 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 some of these numbers that are that are thrown around. Are they really losses or are they just for foregoing revenue, right? Like there's there's a difference between actually operating at a loss or just not earning as much as you could have earned, right? So the NBA is foregoing a lot of revenue by not selling out their arenas and making money through ticket sales and and things like that. But is is that is that a loss, right? Like you the NBA nets its expenses against its revenues, right? So what it's just doing is lowering its expenses. It's no longer renting out these arenas, right? It's uh it's cutting player salaries potentially by by a drop in the cap or something like that, right? So it's it's expenses are proportionately coming down as well. So it's interesting to see how we're gonna frame it. And and honestly, these next few days, Ben, and these next couple of weeks, so as the players in the league go back, it's gonna be interesting to see who's getting their information from what. We're gonna see a lot of Woj tweets coming out from the league office where he's getting his leaks, and then we're gonna see a lot of Shams Charania tweets coming out from you know the Clutch Mafia and LeBron from a very different perspective. And we're, we're gonna see the same thing reported two diff- very different ways about, about these things. And it's it's gonna be interesting. Interesting to to see kind of uh, both sides, and and honestly, I understand both sides from it. But I've always been a players first kind of guy, right? So my yeah. whole thing is like these owners that are complaining; these guys are billionaires. These guys are the richest of the richest people in exactly. the world. I could care less. Like you, they you're, can su- take you're a suffering. Little yeah, you're you're suffering some losses. That's great. You still have billions of dollars. Like yeah. I I really don't care. Get, let the players get their money. Let them spend time with their family. Let's find something that works for them, right? Definitely, and. Um, no, I I'm completely on board with uh with everything that you had said. Um, I believe that it, yeah. I I've always seen, as I said before, I've yeah. always seen the NBA to be a player, a player focused for like you know a, yeah, like a player focused league. It's it's dependent on the players. It's it's how they feel. It's how they're because depending on on feeling and and how and how they are doing, it'll really really change the outcome of how that season works right so um i definitely hope that uh things are it's it's kind of it's kind of the decision is based off that and so and and, and i think it will be because when you when you have players like you know danny green said this on a podcast or the jump or something he's like if if the inmate wants us to come back like that early like in 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 mid mid to late december you might have players like lebron and others that just take a month off or something right and that's crazy to think about what it's going to do your league is coming back and your reigning finals mvp is not playing because like what is that going to do to your ratings right like what is that is it even going to feel like a right restart when you have all these big ticket players that are not coming back? Like the NBA knows it's not going to spoil its Christmas Day game by, by you know, um, by, you can't force uh, them to play. Exactly. Yeah, you can't you can't force them to play. Right. Is exactly what I was trying to say. So from, from that perspective, like it's it's going to be so weird, like it's going to be driven off of the LeBrons, the the Kawhis, the the Giannis's and like what they want out of this league. And, and I'm honestly fine with that. Right. As a fan of the sport, I don't watch for the owners. I don't watch for the front offices. I don't watch for any of that. I watch for the players. Right. So let's mm-hmm. get the players what they want. That might change though, Omar. Yes. I think you might be, I think you might be a little bit more interested in the front office because, uh, as, back, of, baby. as of a week ago, maybe I, I don't know how long it's been, but the 76ers have picked up Daryl Morey to be the president of ops. Yes. Thoughts. I mean, before you go, I, I will, I will just say I, I hated everything and I still do to this day. 
of the Houston Rockets and the Phil and the 76ers. So um I, I hate the I hate the Rockets more than the 76ers. And yeah. um from what I've the conversation that I've had with my brother, it seems like Daryl Morey is a is a very active president. He's the type to always do trades. He's always looking to do something to improve upon his team, even if it doesn't necessarily improve upon his team. Hi, Russell Westbrook. How are you doing? So, <laughs> so, so, so to that point, I'll say Russell Westbrook CP3. I think that was not Maury. Maury is too smart to do something like that. That was pressure Fertitta. from your star player. That was pressure from Tillman Fertitta. And, and it, it's not, it's not a Maury decision. That's not okay. like what Maury wanted. Maury realizes he was one Chris Paul hamstring away from a title, right? He's, and they just needed to run it back. You saw how well that. Chris Paul played, right? Like Maury oh, had it right. CP3 is the best point guard. Maury had it right. And 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 it was it was, I think that was kind of the beginning of this divergent school of thought in Houston. And that led Maury to the doorstep of the Philadelphia 76ers, where you know he fundamentally disagreed with what ownership and a star player wanted. And he was right. He was right. And what we said about these Sixers, uh, we've had our own conversations off the podcast and even yeah. on the podcast is the 76ers were really just a front office away from really making something happen. Yep. Um, in terms of what Daryl Morey will do with that roster or what your thoughts are on what needs to be done. Yep. I would love to hear that. But my thoughts are, I think Daryl Morey is a very smart yep. player attached president mm -hmm. and that player attached part could be his downfall as well uh, i've always been an anti-harden guy <laughs> i just yeah. never liked him uh, i think off the court he's a great guy just on the court i just can't i just can't watch him and obviously um he's still one of the one of the best scorers in the league right now yeah. Um, I just don't like him in the, in the postseason. That's just a personal thing of mine. But Daryl Morey is definitely one that is extremely attached to so, to star players. So I'll kind of I'll, I'll 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 I agree with you. He's attached to star players because he recognizes how difficult it is to get a star player. What was the alternative for Morey? Right, Morey when he took over in Houston, they had nothing. They 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 didn't have star players. They didn't have anything that he could do. He went out and acquired a star player, and it was one of the most controversial trades that have that have occurred in in NBA history he gets his star player and now he realizes you can't flip star players the whole is always greater than the sum of its parts and we have seen this time and time again the Anthony Davis trade proves this I don't want to hear shit from New Orleans fans that talk about how oh you know what maybe we'll win the trade if in three years it's a haul folks it's over it's over it's over. They won the title. This is it. This is why you trade for star players. This is why the Kawhi Leonard trade was a win. This is why the Anthony Davis trade was a win. You trade for star players, and it is so difficult because they're so rarely on the market. So trying to flip a star player for assets or other things, the whole will always be greater than the sum of its parts. If you're talking about a true star player like James Harden, one of the greatest offensive players, if not the greatest offensive player to ever play the sport. So from that perspective, he and his protege, Sam Hinkie, have always said, this is a star-driven league. You need stars. So Maury coming into Philadelphia, everyone is expecting him to do, oh, is he going to trade Ben Simmons? Oh, is he going to trade Joel Embiid? And Sam Hinkie recently did a podcast uh, where he was talking about Maury to the Sixers. And they asked him about like, oh, yeah, would you would you trade Ben? Would you trade Joel? He's, he laughed. He's like, do people not realize how difficult it was to get these players? 
why why is everyone so dead set on immediately you have to deal these players like getting star players is the most difficult thing and front offices try so hard every year to get star players and then once you get a star player any sign of a of 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 a dent in their armor and it's going to be oh you need to trade them you need to move on you can't do this this isn't going to work it's like no 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 get your star players get your good players and then tweak around them and mori has shown that he's built a competitive contender years in a row using what he can he won on the margins he brought in uh ball handlers and perimeter defenders and 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 the kinds of people that his coach d'antoni needed to run a system and yes the system failed and yes harden didn't step up in the moments that he needed to do but again one chris paul hamstring away one out of 27 threes away like they were so close in so many different ways so get the star players and now that you have them win on the margins win on the margins and that's what i'm expecting more i did i I think that's a very interesting thing that you had brought up. Um, I think for so long, people are have been so attached to this idea that what the Detroit Pistons did in 04 against the Lakers yeah. is, is for some reason going to be this common thing yeah. within the NBA. The truth of it, folks, is it hasn't happened since 04. Yeah. And 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 with that, it, it hasn't happened against a team that hasn't had extreme locker room issues on the on the brink of, you know, not even on the brink of, they were fighting one another. They did not want to be in that team. Not to take away anything from the 04 Pistons, what they did was exceptional. But I think a lot of people got this idea and they're, they're clinging on to the fact that, oh, 04, something happened. Even the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler is not your is not just a random player. And I think we've determined that after these finals, Jimmy Butler is a star. Mm -hmm. Now, whether you want to call him an all-star, well, definitely an all-star or something even higher than that, that's completely up to opinion. But he is a star and he has shown or the Miami Heat have shown with a very well-rounded team and a star, right? What could happen you know, what could happen with that? Let's think back to, to last year with the Raptors. What were they with a Kawhi Leonard, right? Mm-hmm. What were they? They were a second round knockout. Yeah. They were not doing well within that franchise because they didn't have that star talent. The yeah. NBA is run on stars. This is a complete, it's a perfect um um, segue from what we were talking about before with players getting disgruntled you can't have them unhappy it's, yeah. it's a player focused league you've got to make sure that they're getting everything that they want uh, in that case it is true Daryl Morey I think realized that he mm-hmm. sees you know um, how difficult it is to have a great um, regular season player like James Harden yep I had to throw that in there <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and he held on to it and you and you're right he was Literally, like uh, a CP3 hamstring injury away. You know what, Rockets fans? I know it's killing you right now. Yeah. Oh, I know it's killing you. Over 27, but I am so happy. I will lick the tears off your face. I hate them so much. But regardless, tell me, Omar, with the current roster, what do you hope Daryl Morey will do? What do you think is realistic? And what are you hoping for? Well, it's a, it's a couple different questions there. What 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 do I hope he does? I hope he somehow finds a way to get Chris Paul onto the Philadelphia <laughs> and turns Al Horford and Tobias Harris into Chris Paul and some and some perimeter shooters and 
and kind of takes that core that's, and and they, that's and they win Sam a title. Presti magic right there. And they, and they win a title. <laughs> what what I actually think is going to happen is it's going to be a bit of a it's going to be a wait and see kind of year for for Daryl Moore Daryl Morey like. For too long, people have put unrealistic and expedited timelines on this team and made them made people like forget just how young their core is and how much development they have left in them. So he's gonna give Doc the chance to really work and try to develop these guys. At the same time, he's gonna try to work those margins and create an environment. Like you don't need to rush into anything because pretty much anyone other than Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, you would be. Are, are all they're all negative value other than josh richardson perhaps <laughs> everyone's negative value, negative value. <laughs> compared to what they what they can bring back and how much they're getting paid and what they produce you try trading any of them it's negative value you're gonna have to attach an incentive to try to get off them right and and that's not smart business it's not buy high uh sell low right like daryl Morey is going to try to manufacture value on some of the fringes and work to make deals there, right? So that's what I expect. I expect I expect players like Austin Rivers and Robert Covington that were acquired by Maury, right? Players I wish Covington was back, but kind of winning on those margins is 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 what I'm getting at. And giving Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid a chance. Like nine times out of ten, this goes back to what we were saying. The team that has the best player on the court will be the team that wins the series. And and we have seen that. Time and time again, the team that has the best player on the court, nine times out of ten, they end up winning the series. There are exceptions when the best player on the court is LeBron James and he's surrounded by the 2015 Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes, he's going to lose to Golden State, he, even though he's the best player. Those are the exceptions, not, not the rules. The rule is that the best player will likely be the one that ends up winning. So as much as we care about coaches, front offices, and all this stuff, What's most important for the 76ers to make it over that hurdle is for Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid to take that material next step that puts them into top three, top five in the NBA contention. And and they're not there yet. I think of both of them as top 15 players. I think of Joel Embiid as a top 10 player, right? But he's not in that top five conversation. There's a very large gap between top 10 and top five, right? And I think Embiid needs to develop his game to get to that point. Would you be willing to move Ben Simmons? No. If that meant anything of of getting a more traditional point guard uh, that works better with, uh, I don't know about works better with Embiid, but maybe providing more spacing, someone who can hit down that, you know, that that jump shot. Is that something you would be no, willing be- to explore? Because because the, the, the kind of player that you can get for a Ben Simmons right now it's the hole will always be greater than some of his friends. You're going to get a Kemba Walker. You're going to get a, a Victor Oladipo. Like you're, you're, you're going to get a Chris Paul, right? Like you're, you're going to get all great phenomenal, phenomenal players, but compared to the value that is Ben Simmons, you're losing out, right? Like you don't have, uh, you, you're not going to get like, what's, what's a, what's a player that you're not going to get a Luka Doncic for, for a Ben Simmons, right? That's not going to happen. So, why would you trade something that has so much value, right? For for something like a Kemba or something. So I, I'm not there yet. I'm I'm not there yet. These conversations, like what you were describing, that's what kind of what the old front office was for the Philadelphia 76ers. Something's not working. What can we do? What can we do? What big blockbuster thing can we do to kind of revitalize this team? And that's not the kind of thinking that you need. You need to slow the timeline down. 
Daryl Morey has a five-year deal. Doc Rivers has a five-year deal. Elton Brand just signed a multi-year extension to match his term to Daryl Morey's. You have time. You have a young core. You have a brain that's now been established in the organization that's going to be around for five years. They have the longest view in the room. And now you need to kind of make the right play. You don't rush into this, right? You don't sell low and you don't rush into this. So do I think the 76ers are going to win the title next season? No. But do I think that their chances of winning a title in the next three to five years has significantly improved? Yes, as a result of this acquisition. I think a uh, huge underrated uh, thing about both signings of of Doc Rivers and or Glenn Rivers, actually, because there's only one Doc <laughs> in the Sixers and uh, and Daryl Morey is the fact that it is five years. You're right. Uh, that core, um, you know, you, it's, it's funny because you've got a core, of course, with the players. Uh, but also having a nice tight core within the front office is a good thing as well, because you get to understand how, um, you know, they, they work together or like for the president of ops, you get to see how the GM is and the GM likewise with the coach. And you guys have this, there's like a, like a thing going on there and it's, and it's for the long term. And I think uh, Glenn signing that for five years, as well as Daryl Morey kind of shows that you're right. They're not looking for anything crazy within the next year. Mm-hmm. Um how long is that Tobias and Horford contract for again? Uh, it was five years for Tobias. Horford has three years, I think. Three years left. Yeah. Yeah, okay, though well, that is that is <laughs> well, that is funny. Um, however, <laughs> within the next three to five years, I, I I think it's not it's not the it's not it's not a very hot take. Yeah. Um, uh, because it's it's very interesting, or it will be interesting at least to see where they go. Yeah. Uh, considering the core that they have in the front office now. So overall, I think just to summarize on this, on this, um, Daryl Morey signing with the 76ers, I think it's perfect. Um, yeah. I, I think it will be very exciting to be a, uh, a Sixers fan in the sense of you have somebody that's competent. Yeah. I think Daryl Morey is, is competent. If anything, he's, he's definitely competent is a, is an exciting president. Yeah. He definitely makes good choices. Um, so it should be, it's, it's a good thing. I would say very it's positive. Very, this Huge was one of the best, positive. one of the best things, if not the best thing that could have happened in this off season for the Philadelphia 76ers to kind of cut out that cancer front office that they had for the longest time, the Colangelo era guys that still stuck around and to bring in a smart front office. And I don't know, like I, I a hate smart the front office style. and Elton Brand. <laughs> Elton Brand will now learn under Daryl Morey, which is great, and yeah. I, it and it's it's it shows the commitment from the owners, which I hate the owners are I hate so much, but the owners did a good thing. They did the right thing. They hired someone smart and they stepped out of the way, and that's what what you need, right? And and the owners like they were some of the most cutting edge entrepreneurial owners that the league had when they hired Sam Hinkie. When everyone was zigging, they zagged and they. They brought in someone who doesn't have that basketball mindset, who did one of the greatest rebuilds in professional sports history. They forced that person out via the league. They brought in these Colangelo era guys. They messed up. But now what they've done is they've shown that commitment back. It's like Sam Hinkie was was learned under Daryl Morey. You're hiring the boss of the former guy that you that you brought in, right? Like it's it's crazy. It's like you're going back to your roots and you're realizing what worked and now you're finally closing it out. I've heard on the like the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, like one of the co-hosts, Mike Levin, said this is like the third act of the process where like you had the first act, which was Hinky and, and the tanking and getting the picks and getting the guys. 
And then you had this ugly second act where you had burner Twitter accounts and 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 leaking medical news and 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 Colangelo and all that stuff. And now you're kind of like in that third act where you're hoping to close it out. And you know who sees? We'll, we'll, who knows? We'll see where this goes, how this ends. But I don't know. It's it's good to be hopeful again about the team. It's good to and be. Hopeful. That's a dangerous thing. <laughs> Hope is a dangerous thing. Your Chicago Bulls will say that. Hey, Chicago got Working a new front office. Philly got a <laughs> new front office. Things are looking good. All I need is Masai extension to be signed. We're oh my god, we're still waiting. And and, and we're and then, all and still then I'm waiting. Good. That Masai extension to be signed. So and then I'm good. You know what? Let's stay on that. Let's stay on offseason moves. Um, so obviously the Sixers have definitely got um, you know, yeah. a much more competent front office. Uh, but to my knowledge, there are some other teams as well, at least rumors that they want to, they want to switch some things around. They want to do some things. So let's talk about some teams where maybe they need to do an off, uh, something with the off season. They need to do a change. So what comes to mind already is, um, you know, the Milwaukee bucks, they'll want to get of Eric. I don't want to be here. Bledsoe from, um, from that point guard position and get somebody else in. I think that, well, what do you think? What do you think about that? Uh, do I think that would change the fact that Bud is still there? No. Yeah. I don't I don't really see that being a big thing. I don't care if they changed Eric Bledsoe to a much more. He is not. <laughs> it's funny because I don't really see him as the problem. I see him as a bad player, mm-hmm. but I don't see him as the problem. Yeah. Uh, the way Giannis his mindset is and the way that Giannis as a player is makes that with how bad of a coach Bud is with his um you know with how easy it is to read his offense and how easy it is to read his defense as well let's not forget Eric Bledsoe isn't the reason why they lost in five to the to the heat yeah. right Giannis was sitting and that that was when the Bucks won yeah so do I think Eric Bledsoe is the offseason change that the Bucks need to? Okay, you know what? We need to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. It is him that is the reason why we are unsuccessful. No, I don't think you should be giving this core any more any more time. Of what, what I mean by core is uh, 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 Coach Bud and Giannis. One of them gotta go, and I don't think Milwaukee is willing to is willing to uh, let Giannis go. Yeah. Um, so those are my thoughts. Bledsoe is 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 not a big, he's a pawn, not even a pawn in this entire chessboard. Mm-hmm. You've got Coach Bud and Giannis are really, those are the ones that are really turning this franchise upside down. What yep. are your thoughts? I, I agree. I think if we're approaching this question with, you know, pick a team and what's the one thing that they need to do this offseason? For Milwaukee, it's the one thing that they've they already said they they aren't going to do getting rid of Bud. Right, that's what it was. They needed to get rid of the coach. They needed to bring in a new system there that that catered to uh, Giannis and his strengths. And if this really is your two time back to back MVP, like deserves a better coach, right? And he deserves he, he himself needs to be a better player, and he himself needs to kind of change his mindset and all that. But, <laughs> Wait, sorry, that was so funny. I love how you said. You know, if he is your two-time MVP, like I mean, he's not my MVP, bro. <laughs> yeah. no, not Sir, my MVP. He is. He has no. the trophy. Not nah, give on, it back. Cut you off. Give it back, damn it. <laughs> go on, go on. Bro, I don't. I don't believe it. Um, 
So, so that's what it is, right? You need to get rid of Bud. You need to bring in a coach that that can that can make adjustments on the fly and that can win playoff basketball. You don't need a coach that's going to win you sixty games. You need a coach that can that can out coach other coaches, right? Like that's what you need, right? You don't need someone that can pub stomp teams uh, by thirty points in the regular season and have the best net differential or something like that, right? You have the two time MVP on your team. You will make the playoffs. LeBron James said this uh, a, a couple of years ago um, when his is I think it was with the 18 Cavaliers and they were kind of uh, I think they were sixth seed or, or something like that. And people were talking about like going into the playoffs like this was a few months away with the playoffs. Oh, you know, you're not going to be you're not going to have home court. You're not going to be first seed or whatever. And LeBron James said, I don't care if I'm a first seed or an eighth seed. I step into that arena you're going to have trouble kind of thing, right? And that's the mentality that the Milwaukee Bucks got to have, right? Who cares about being first seed? Who cares about grinding it out like that, right? Use the regular season to learn to learn how to, uh, you know, adjust in the playoffs. Practice those different adjustments. Practice those different ways of playing. And Bud has shown that he's not the coach that's going to do that, right? You need a coach that's willing to sacrifice regular season games for the pursuit of playoff games. And Bud hasn't shown that. So now that that's what I'd say. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. The, um, the Bucks, they yep. are they I think both of us, as we're in agreement with that, yeah. they can change whatever role player or whatever position they want. But yeah. the most important positions is that head coach position and and Giannis, you know, like that power forward. Like they they yeah. need to they need to get rid of him or of, of Bud and yeah. they've got to work with Giannis in another way, force him. I know that he really likes that coach, but that's not winning basketball. And yep. it doesn't matter how many times you're first seed. If you can't, especially in the Eastern Conference, if you're not winning when it counts, then none of that matters. Yeah. Um, a question that I wanted to ask you, actually, I don't know if this is, uh, and we're, we're going to jump into this right after probably, but the uh, Mike Antoni is actually going to be assistant coach in the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nets. Yeah. Do you think that it's somewhat strange that, you know, Mike D'Antoni didn't jump at the chance to coach a superstar like Giannis. Is that telling of Giannis as a player? Is that does that mean that Milwaukee was just not interested in doing something like that? Yeah, I, I what do I, you think? I, I think I it's more so on the Milwaukee side. Okay. Yeah, I think it's more on the Milwaukee side. I think right after the playoffs ended, they doubled down on the coach, right? They said that the coach was here to stay and that's what was gonna happen. So even before all of these vacancies, and it's it's weird to think about because Milwaukee got eliminated so long ago. It's like, so when everyone started, when coaches started moving around and getting hired, Milwaukee had been at, been at home for a month already (laughs) at this point. Right. Because they, because I reiterate, they performed so poorly. So bad. Playoffs. So, so Milwaukee, like, it's almost like we forgot the news, but Milwaukee very soon after getting eliminated did make the statement to double down on the coach and say that he was here to stay and they weren't in the market for a new coach. So all these other coaches, yeah, we're shopping. I was just really, I was just curious as all, but you know what? Uh, That is the team that we should talk about next then the Brooklyn notes. Of course they have notes. The Brooklyn nets, of course, have uh, Steve Nash as head coach. They have Kyrie Irving, uh, Kevin Durant, a bunch of role players, and assistant coach Mike D'Antoni, the yep. Phoenix Sun seven seconds or less system, where Nash was a player in that system and D'Antoni was the coach. Yep. Now D'Antoni is going to be under Steve Nash. They have a um, stacked coaching tree. They have a very, stacked very tree. stacked coaching tree. Yeah. Now, 
can one Kyrie Irving eliminate all of that? <laughs> eliminate all of that, yeah. or is this going to be a an Eastern Conference contender, easy trip to the finals? With you know, as we said before, it's a superstars league. They have Kevin Durant, which yeah. you know, even if he's eighty percent of himself, with another star like Kyrie Irving can really make big things happen. Yeah. However, is Kyrie Irving going to be on the board of? Well, you know what? We have some players that just did not show up today. Uh, I don't want to talk about which ones, but namely Spencer Didwitty, and he's just gonna lay, <laughs> he's gonna lay. So, where do you think we we did talk about the Brooklyn Nets before? But yeah. with this, do any off season changes need to happen? Do they need to do anything big? Should they get rid of off uh, off role players or people that you know? kind of have that Boston Celtics 2018 vibe to them where they're just like, yo, I'm the next one up. I'm the yeah. one that should be playing, not Kyrie Irving. What do you think they should do, if anything? I think the 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 thing that they should do is stop doing things. They they mm. they have done too much. They they this is gonna be a roller coaster of a team and it's gonna be one of those Human. ones that's either gonna Human. be it's either going to be amazing right there at the top of the East. We're getting ready for the finals kind of thing, or it's just going to be one of those dumpster fires that you can't look away from. Right. Or it's just like, Oh my God, what is happening yeah. here? And every day something new in the news. I think they have so much change that is about to impact that culture. I mean, you have in over the last year, you have acquired Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. You have changed your head coach. You have changed your head coach once more. You have amassed a first-time head coach in Steve Nash, first-time coach in Steve Nash, uh, with a, a plethora of assistant coaches. You have two very, very loud personalities in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You have the former culture of the Nets kind of in limbo. Was like is because all, a lot of the, those people have gone. Uh, so there's just a lot going on with the Nets, and I think they just need to not do everything. I think what's most important for them is to see the product that they have on the court. Because again, star-driven league, you have Kevin Durant, you have Kyrie Irving, and you don't know what you have until you get those players on the court, right? Neither of them have played. Neither of them have played together, sorry. And that's what you need. You need them to show you what you can do, and everything's going to be driven off that. If they're if they don't have the skill anymore, if Katie's not the person he used to be, that's a very different conversation than if Katie and Kyrie are exactly who we expect them to be. That's a very different like you act very differently. So I think you need to kind of wait and see and not tie yourself into anything else long term. Um, no, I think you are right. <laughs> what a crazy what a crazy offseason yeah. for for the Nets fans. I think they've kind of built themselves a reputation before. You know the Brooklyn Nets were 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 looked at as a little brother of of the Knicks. Of course, you have the New York Knicks. That is New York's team, right? Mm-hmm. Even though they've been trash, yeah. The Brooklyn Nets have never really gotten like I don't know respect or never really looked at as oh hey you know we got a bunch of Brooklyn Nets jerseys around. If yeah. you go to New York right now, you're not going to see many Nets jerseys. You're going to yeah. see a lot of uh, Knicks jerseys, That's even true. if they're completely old and whatever. You're going to see that. So yeah. It must have been a um, an absolute head rush for any Nets fans with the amount of things that's going on right now. Uh, I do want to make uh, a very early prediction. Um, and I don't think, I think you're going to be in agreement with this. This is going to be a complete dumpster fire. <laughs> I will be on record right now saying that I'm not going to wait and see. 
you have given me no reason, Kyrie Irving, to believe that you will lead this team to a, you know what, guys, we've got each other, support each other. Kyrie Irving thinks he is so much better, better than he actually is. And that is such a bad thing. It is such a bad trait to have. This level of arrogance, it's such a bad look when you are the quote-unquote leader of the team. It's not It's not going to work. You have Kevin Durant, who is loud through social media. And, you know, he's, he's a very loud whisper, but he's not going to step up when Kyrie Irving is talking a lot. Kevin Durant's not going to be the one to be like, you know what, Kyrie, chill out. You know what, let's figure this out. He's not going to be the one to do that, right? Maybe he'll think it, but he's not going to say it. We know Kevin Durant. That's what he is. He put those two with first-time head coach Steve Nash. It's it's not going to work. It's 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 a dumpster fire waiting to happen. I don't care with 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 those two in particular. The best player on the court will not win. I I'm completely against the uh, the Nets working. I like Steve Nash. I think he's cool. Yeah. Um, but I just can't stand Kyrie Irving, especially when he had the opportunity to do so much with the Celtics. And I don't know about you, Omar, but he doesn't strike me as someone who's like, I learned so much from that experience. <laughs> he does okay. not strike me as I, that. I, I very, very thoroughly respect you for you know putting your foot down with that take. I don't know if I'll go as far as to say, you know, I agree with you there. Maybe I'm a coward for that, but I'm a, I'm in the I'm wait and see camp, right? I'm in the wait and see camp, but I respect you for putting that take. Okay, kind of adjacent to yours, and maybe this kind of feeds more into this helps you solidify your position. I have said for years, ever since Kyrie signed with Brooklyn, I have said from the day he signed, Kyrie Irving isn't going to finish his contract in Brooklyn. He's going to retire before that. I, Kyrie has said <laughs> multiple so? times, that's my hot take <laughs> that I live by and I stand by. <laughs> he's not going to finish that contract in Brooklyn. He's going to retire before it. Because Kyrie's just one of those weird guys. And I honestly, I hate, I loved Kyrie in Cleveland. I hated Kyrie in Boston. But then after he kind of scorned them and then left and kind of messed them up and ruined their season, I was just like, yeah, Kyrie's look pretty good. Kyrie's pretty good. Boston, right? Like Kyrie, he's a fun guy, man. He's a fun guy. I kind of like yeah. this guy. So I, I, I'm kind of back on the Kyrie train, but I, I understand he's so weird, and he said he wants to retire young multiple times. I really think he's just going to end up retiring, and it's going to be one of those like, what the hell? Like after next season or something, he's just going to retire or something. If they're going to do anything in the off season, the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets team at the moment. Uh, besides uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant really has a, uh, a stark, you know, it's, it's, they're very similar to the 2018 Celtics. And I keep going back to that because I feel like as a team, they are not just average role players. You've got some really good guys uh, on that Nets team right now. Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Harris Levert. These are good players, but the issue with that, or however you want to frame it is that they know that. Right. If I know that, they definitely know that. If every if everyone can see that Karis Levert is a is a good player, of course they know that. And um, Steve Nash, considering his relationship with Kevin Durant, I think the way he's going to be coaching, as he should, I I find, is obviously catering towards the the stars. You want to make sure that the stars are happy, and I think this is going to turn its backside against. Uh, those really good role players who maybe are not very happy with their limited minutes. And maybe they found that, you know, we were 
a couple of injuries or, or short away from making it a series against the Raptors. Because sometimes it was scary. And then Joe Harris missed a game. And then some other injuries happened. I don't know. I think I think with all of that combined, yeah. I am not I am not so high on the uh, I'm not so high on the Brooklyn Nets, and so maybe yeah, we we'll get into some of the some Clippers territory of players getting players not liking the oh, preferential treatment, yeah, preferential treatment that Kawhi and uh, Paul George were getting, and honestly, yeah. it's a non-issue if the players perform. LeBron gets all the preferential treatment in the world, but. Never a talking point and never anything, never a talking point outside of first take or something uh, because LeBron can perform on the court, right? But you had Clippers players that were pissed off about preferential treatment for Paul George because he's hitting the side of the backboard in an elimination game. So, <laughs> and, and <laughs> like, it's a real thing. And, and you know what, man? It's like, um, I think Stephen A said this because Isom had forwarded this message to me and I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, what he said was like, okay, like Michael Jordan is a player that is feared, but LeBron James is a player that demands respect. Mm-hmm. You respect LeBron James as a player, right? And I think for that reason, players can recognize that, you know what? We have one of the greatest players of all time on this team right now. Let me step back. But the issue with, with the Kevin Durant and the Kyrie Irvings is they don't, there's no reason to respect them. Kevin Durant is one of the best players in the league right now, but he doesn't have that level of respect me. I deserve this. His comes across as a lot more insecure, like respect me. I am good, right? I am good. So you should respect me, right? LeBron James is like, you know, I am. So give me the ball. I'll handle it. And I think when you have, when you don't have that level of respect, players are going to be like, why should I respect you? What are you? Right? Yeah. You won Kevin Durant, but with what team? Yeah. You won Kyrie. Irving, but with LeBron James, you, you know what I mean? And I think that would cause that, that discrepancy between those bench players, those role players and the stars. So those are my thoughts on it. I think we have spent quite a bit of time on Brooklyn Nets, unless you have some closing thoughts. Um, oh. Nothing. Okay. Yeah. In that case, you didn't mention the Clippers already. They've, I think they've really got to do. Yeah, they've what, really got to make some changes. What, what, what I think what they got to do is is play better. They they need to like it. It comes down to the stars not performing, right? Like the the best. I don't players. think you can even keep those players in that. I don't think you can even. There is no level of okay, guys. We learned from this. Yeah. Uh, let's come back harder. I think Paul George tried that and that did not work. Yeah, my 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 you my thing there is rid of those animated players. You know. Yeah, my my thing is you've mortgaged your entire future on this. You have one more shot before Kawhi and PG can walk, right? You have one more shot. At this point, you're in too deep. Like, just keep digging, right? Just keep digging at this point. Like, you can't get out of this. You've mortgaged your entire future on a championship or bust team. So go championship or bust. And it's not going to change anything. Right? You can mildly recover some assets for what? For for trying to deal some of these trades. But you're in this deep. You're never going to get these star players again. This is your last shot. You need to you need to win big. You need to have a, a coach there that, that can understand and cater to the star players. And you need to maybe cut out a bit of the locker room noise. If you have players that don't like Paul George, honestly, as much as it sucks to say, you need to kind of get rid of those players because Paul George is still Paul George. Like, I don't think he's he's all that good, but you've mortgaged so much for him. You just need to kind of let these players perform and hope Kawhi has a 2019-esque performance. 
Yeah, he I'm clearly thinking, did not show up as well. I'm thinking Trez. I'm thinking yeah. Pat Bev. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Pat Bev, Kawhi, uh, there was a report that Kawhi secretly, of course, because that's the Kawhi way, was kind of like, we've got to get another point guard. We mm-hmm. need a playmaking point guard. They want um, Rondo. Yep, they want Rondo. Of course, they've had talks about looking into freaking like, I don't know. Uh, I forgot some of the other point guards they were looking into, but Rondo was definitely one mm-hmm. of them. Um, do you think getting rid of Patrick Beverly and adding a, you know, let's just say Rondo, they add Rondo to that. Yeah. Would that really change things up with the Clippers? Would that put them over that kind of final, you know, that would that have them get over that barrier that they have before them right now? Honestly, I, I don't know if I can answer a question like that because the changes that are being discussed are irrelevant, right? Like, they sh- it's not a barrier. They, they should have been over it already. You were the favorites. Yeah. You were the yeah. favorites, right? This the is favorites. not like... This is not like 2007 LeBron just going up against like and losing in the finals where you knew he was on the worst team, right? So you were talking about what can LeBron do? What team can they be on to, to you know, do, to get over this hump, right? Or what can LeBron do to get over the hump? No, you were expected to be the hump that other teams tried getting over, right? So for you to say like, oh, we need to make this move on the margin for us to win. The mar- winning on the margin is important. That's that's great, and I and I'm a and I'm a strong supporter of that. Of slight small upgrades here and there, bringing in playmakers, bringing in ball handlers. But your star players did not show up. They did not show up, and that's why you lost. So you can try to put it on. Oh, we need another playmaker. Oh, we need this. We need that. That's great and all, but you guys didn't show up, right? You didn't do your job. So yes, Patrick Beverly scored three points. He 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 met his average. Whatever. But you didn't do your job, right? So that, that's what it comes it's down easy to. Like, it's easy yeah. to place blame. And I, yeah. and I think that's a big issue. If a discussion like that's already going, like we need something else. It's like, yo, focus on yourself. Play yeah. harder in the gym, Yeah, right? You, you put in more time at, at practice, Kawhi. Like you do whatever you got to make sure that you show up. Yeah. To at least be like, you know what, man? I dropped 34. We still lost. Okay, that's one thing. Let's look into a play. I think I completely agree with you on that front. And, and, and Kawhi and, Leonard and PG had zero points in the fourth. Like, come like, on. It's, it's exactly. I was going to say, not even like the counting stats averages or stuff. Like, look at look at how they were playing in the second half of game of game seven, right? Like, look at how they were falling apart. Like, completely you, you blew a 3-1 lead. No Patrick Beverly is the reason for you blowing a 3-1 yeah. lead. It's, it's just like the it's just like the Bucks, right? It's just yeah. like the it's just like the Bucks. It's yeah, you the, these are so irrelevant. It's so irrelevant yeah. versus the core issue. Yeah. And 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 that's that's what it comes down to, right? You know, let's do let's do a couple more of these teams. Uh, Raptors, Masai, boom, that's a quick one. What that's do you got to do Done. this the off season? Get Masai. Masai, yeah, Done. Get Masai. Done. That, that that that's all it is. And then maybe let's do let's do one more. Um, you know what? Let's make it a phone run. OKC. Give Gallinari, me I was so sad. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> that was the funniest thing ever. Okay, so oh, he's <laughs> the picture, right? <laughs> He didn't even give us a chance. He didn't. He didn't even say thank you, Oklahoma. You know, I'm still like weighing my options or thinking about it. He's just like, "Yep, you guys are in the back seat." Looking back, you know, it, it's it's a historical thing that happened way in the past. I'm done with Oklahoma. So, for those of you who don't know, um, Gallinari posted a photo on Instagram 
Uh, basically him in the center with a blank jersey. And then um, he has the Clippers. He has uh, OKC, Detroit. All the teams that he did play for in the past, kind of in the background, kind of like this anime-esque, oh, in the past, I was this player. I played for this team and this team. And because Oklahoma was kind of put in that same, given the same treatment as the Clippers and the Pistons and the other team that he was in, it really kind of shows, there it is right now. Um, You know, watch us on YouTube if you do want to see that. Uh, Yep, there it is right there. A blank jersey in the middle, and then four teams, New York, Pistons, Clippers, and then you have Oklahoma there as well, which means, and everybody speculated this, not even speculation, it's pretty much fact, Gallinari is saying, Tata, okay, see you later, I'm going to go on another team, and everybody else, I am open, I'm definitely open, Yeah. and as uh, I'm not, not like I'm mad at the guy, uh, hopefully we get to do a sign and trade at the very least. I think that would be very nice to get Gallinari on a sign and trade. Just, um, he he gave us he gave us good minutes and he was a great player for us. Him and CP3 worked wonders together. Uh, so Gallinari is clearly out, which I'm fine with. Uh, CP3, he is also, I think, does he have another year in his contract? Or is this it? No, no, he has uh, he has like two more years, I think. I think two, two more years. years. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll look it up. So yeah, he definitely has years on. He definitely has a lot more. He definitely years on has. Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely looking like a trade thing with uh with with Chris Paul. And considering how he played, I think this was Chris Paul's plan with the reason why he had also played so well throughout the regular season and the playoffs. He has high value. Chris yeah. Paul is somebody that players want right now if they want to win. I can totally mm-hmm. understand why uh, uh, a team like Milwaukee would want Chris Paul because he has shown up so many times. You pair him with Giannis, who knows what could happen, right? I mean, you still got Coach Bud, but mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, Chris Paul has a high, has extremely high value. He is not that terrible contract that we were once, you know. As, as an OKC fan myself, I was looking into it. I was kind of worried. Like, we're going to be giving an aging Chris Paul this much money? I'm kind of worried about that. He has shown his value. I think any team would love to have a guy like Chris Paul. We, we, Get rid of just, Chris yeah. Paul. To the I, Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> to the, yeah, the Lakers were, were interested as well. Yeah. But uh, is that, that possible? Is that actually possible? It, with that you, money? You, you would need all the stars to align to make the money okay. work. He, he's making just 41, mil, yeah. $41 million this season. And, then and he's a president, the so he's not going to be letting go of anybody. I, I, uh, exactly. That That's the thing. If he if he, <laughs> if he could buy it, buy, take back some of that salary, buy, buy himself out, and then, I don't know, go Emily to the Lakers. Exception here yes, or there, yeah. Sign, sign, sign for less there, but he is the president, so it's going to look He's bad if, if he gives up like $20 million or something like that. And I will say this, uh, Omar, because we talked about this in a very, it's been, you know, it's a, it was an older podcast, I think, right when Oklahoma was actually performing, where you're like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, what is going on here? And I kind of made the, um, the comparison with the Raptors prior to Kawhi. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean by that, obviously not to the success that that the Toronto Raptors were. They were first seed, second seed, whatever. But what I was kind of saying was that middle zone where you're not too good to actually contend for a title, but you're not bad enough to actually rake in some picks. So, you know, it's picks galore with, with OKC right now. But what I'm saying is I really do want 
the complete restart. Like, absolutely just all these young players. We've got good players in Baisley. And I believe in Lou Dor. I think that dude's a stud. Mm-hmm. Um, he showed up when it counted. And I, will, I won't forget when the people Lou were Dor dogging game. him, including me, um, with his terrible form on three. And then he switched it slightly and hit seven in game seven. That is... That that's a huge spark, and I really do like him. Um, so I would be I would be completely fine, obviously, with those two going. Um, I would be. I'm not sure what's going on with Dennis Schroeder. I think obviously. I think you need some form of like you don't want com- all just all young players just developing. They need somebody to develop from. Um, I think Schroeder is definitely a very good player that can that can drive and can finish at the rim. Um, so my overall thoughts are, I'm, I'm fine with saying goodbye to CP3 and Gallinari, and I'm ready for that complete reset that I thought was going to happen this season. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm looking to see with, with the Thunder. We still got a lot of picks. I say just go in full development. It's been a very fun and surprising season, but I want even more. I want to be successful like eight years. I'm, I'm looking at the middle school students right now. I'm, I'm eyeing you with Sam Presti uh, because I expect you guys to deliver in 2028. <laughs> but I'm in it for the long haul, man. I'm in it for the long run. And, and that's what I want to see uh, starting next year. What, do you, what, what are your thoughts? I, I think I think I'm incredibly jealous of how Sam Presti was able to manufacture value with, with Chris Paul. And, you know, I think I guess my only take here is, you know, man, Find a way to get him on the Lakers so he retires with the ring. He retires with the ring. I, he, I want. I. He's too good of a player not to get a ring. He's yeah. too good. He's the best point guard of all time. Damn, Magic Johnson oh, punch in the air right now. Yo, Magic, I was gonna say Magic Johnson. You know what, man? <laughs> My bad. That's it. Just straight up punch. In I'm the not air. gonna be here no more. <laughs> what do you say? Shout out to shout out to shout out to Magic. He got another ring, bro. Dodging shout out one. to Magic, man. Shout out to Magic. But CP3 is too good of a player now to get yeah. a ring. He deserves one. He is one of the greatest point guards of all time. I slightly doubt it back there. Yeah. Um, so I hope he gets one. I, I don't know with who or with what, but I am so I'm so curious to see what happens with CP3, man. I really want him to go to a yeah. to a contending team. But you know, you know what I you know what we what we need? We need the clutch mafia to to get CP3 clutch onto, mafia onto the Lakers. <laughs> uh, so so Ben, I've been I've been watching uh Top Boy. I just caught up uh yesterday. Uh I caught up, I guess, because this show's still gonna come back, right? So yeah, uh, I watched the first two series and then I watched the third one, the most recent one that came out probably like a year or two ago. Drake did music for it or whatever. Uh it's good, man. So basically, uh, I'm gonna be speaking like uh, like a UK rapper now. All right. So hit it. Hit, uh, hit us with some of it. What have you learned? What's the, some what's some of the lingo that you picked up on? So so at the end of every sentence, you say yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Come on, yeah, yeah. Uh, are you stupid, yeah. <laughs> like you stupid, yeah. Like yeah. yes, I guess. <laughs> You're forced to do it. Give you a response. Uh, in it, you, you just say in it all the time. Uh, for, for everything i'm gonna walk over there in it like why'd you say in it i, I well, you're just walking over there but okay like that's a thing um and uh i love uh are you mad are you mad that's my that's my favorite like not are you dumb or are you stupid? just like are you mad like they're so like preposterous <laughs> like how could you you want to kill mad? someone in broad daylight are you mad are you mad okay yeah I love I love the UK, yeah. But their lingo is so. 
<laughs> okay, the, like the like the thing is, it's like even with grime rap, right? Like yeah. I've okay, so I've really gotten back into hip hop again because yeah. there have been some flames. Like I am talking, I'm not listening to like older stuff anymore, just new wave, new wave stuff, like the it's lit playlist on on on, on Apple. So there's a song with Skepta and some other dude. Um, song is called Papi Chulo. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's really, really good song, right? Yeah. I love it. Good beat. But yeah. the thing with Skepta is he's talking about like some grimy stuff, like with the girl or maybe with, yeah. but then he's don't, he's going to be like, yeah, I took my day out. Yeah. It's just like, yo, like, yo whoa, what's up, bro, bro? Why are you talking like that? I can't take you seriously like that. Keep it right. right. It's a man's Skepta's accent. A he dude. can't change it. He's scurry. Dude is scurry. Well, when you're talking about, yeah, I took my gun out. Yeah. Are you mad? Yeah. It's like, yo. I don't know if I could take you serious like that. Look, who? Okay. Close your eyes right now and tell me what you would be more scared by. Okay. okay. Are you dumb, fam? Okay. Keep closing right. your eyes. Are you mad? Are you, are you mad? Yeah. Why do you have to say it like that? Though? Come on, man. <laughs> Our British friends punching the air right now. Yeah, they're so mad at me. Y'all listen, man. Yo, I love you. I love y'all, but something, something, <laughs> you, you guys are just not that intimidating. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. All right. Just don't show up on my front door. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're going to try mugging you. And you're just going to laugh. Like, I'm going to be laughing. Like, you're going to take my You're going to crap beat out of you. You're just <laughs> laughing. Like, yo, come on. What'd you say? Um, But I'm glad you like the show. I have been thinking of watching that show for so long. Yeah. I've always had it. I just, Harmeet, shout out to Harmeet. <laughs> I know somebody who doesn't like when we say that all the time, but shout out Harmeet. Um, but, I just never got myself to watch it. I think I've always given it two minutes of, of the first episode and it just gets so slow. I'm like, oh man, there's nothing going on here right now. Yeah. Let me just watch something else. So yeah. you swear by it though. You like, you know, I'm a mafia, I'm a mafia yeah. type movie guy. So is this something that I would legitimately enjoy? So I think, uh, I think, I think you'd enjoy it. I don't know if you've watched power, but it gave me serious power vibes and maybe like, I don't know, not to boost it too much, but this is the only show I've watched in the last eight months. Like, like if I, th mm. I think about it, I have not watched it lacking in the show department. I, since this pandemic started, I don't know what it is. I have tried getting into TV shows here and there shows that I like that have returned. Like I haven't seen the new season of mind hunter or, um, I know there's more out there where it's like shows that I really like, but it's just like, shit, like I have not caught up on them, but I don't know. Top boy after eight months is the first show that I, that I finally watched and, and, you know, got caught up liked on. enough to finish it. So liked that, enough to that's finish really it. Yeah, telling exactly. of, of the show. Yeah. So, so that, that was, that was it for me. And honestly, it's, it's all about the rise for me, right? Like climbing yeah. and building, building your empire. And that's why I love mob movies, so much. mob shows, mob movies, Classic. like, American Gangster, all these, and and we've we've talked a bit about um, you know uh, our our favorite movies, and a lot of mob movies were in that discussion when we we're talking about it. But it's just something about that mob culture, man. It's it's so prevalent in the 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 art we consume and the media we consume, the music we listen to, right? Like um, when you think about it, gang culture and gang rap and everything. I mean, that's just that's just mob music, right? That that's all it is, right? there's uh, yes it's it's called it's 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 you know a rose by another name or whatever but it's it's just it's still mob music right and so if you think about it like if we've liked gangster rap since we were far too young to be listening to it. <laughs> we were way too young to be listening to ice cube and nwa but we were listening yeah and i had my little cd player 
I'd be listening to the game's documentary. That was one of the first <laughs> albums I listened to, like front to back. And I'm just sitting there jamming. I'm like, yeah, if I could start from scratch, I wouldn't change shit. <laughs> like, like, yeah, if I could go back to when I was five years old, one year ago, <laughs> would it change shit? Oh, my um, God. Yeah. So it it's it's I realize like it's so prevalent. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think like the the uh romanticization of like uh mob culture is is so prevalent in like everything we listen to and watch sense of belonging yeah i think that when you consume any art that you're really drawn towards yeah. uh you try your best i think even subconsciously you act and talk in the way of your favorite artist mm-hmm. or of your favorite player or whatever yeah, uh, the person that you admire the most, you act and talk like them, and you might not be consciously doing it, but because we as human beings are so drawn towards a sense of belonging, we consume anything that would give us that. And with mafias and mobs, why do you think people are doing ridiculous things to be initiated into a gang? Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got MS-13 members literally killing people just so they can be initiated into that gang. What's the reason? Sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. Since our early, early, early days, um, our ancestors, we've it's always been extremely community based. Mm -hmm. And especially right now at a time when we are the most connected yet disconnected. Because everything is so independent now, we still have that natural urge to still have that sense of belonging. And I think we get that through music. And I think that's why it's so popular, because first of all, we the music that people create obviously they want to sell and what type of um media is consumed the most by your casual you know like person it's music and i think that's why it's so popular people and artists recognize that it's a huge selling point and people are clearly consuming it so why not make more of it um it's a huge part in all of our media that we consume yeah Absolutely right. Not just music, but movies. So I don't even have to get into Hollywood. But there's yeah. definitely a hierarchy there. Yeah. Right. If you think about it, that's all that mobs and mafias are. It's a hierarchy. You have the lowest, but then you grow until you're all the way at the top. Mm-hmm. The same thing could be done in the NBA. We can definitely make that connection. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have kind of like your your godfathers of the league if we're talking players. Like, you know, you got your LeBron James, you got the Chris Pauls. It, I think it's, it's just LeBron James, yeah. in my opinion. I think he is the godfather. I, I, I think of I think of Chris Paul as kind of like the corrupt government official <laughs> that's on LeBron's payroll. Because he's like, a president. You think about it? Because <laughs> he's the president of the thing. So it's like, he's like the governor. Like, you know, Braun, like, yeah. that's what he wants. He's like, and then, like, that's why, like, people question Chris Paul. Because, you know, yeah, you're the governor and all that. But you also have questionable mob ties to. to like, <laughs> that's so funny. That's yeah. the perfect way to describe CP. Yeah. 100% that is CP3. Because he's here, like, you know, he's, like, showing, like, yeah, he's, like, league rep and, and all that stuff. But at the same time, he's just. You know, kicking it back with Braun, like the smoke good cigars and stuff like that. And you're just like, whoa, that is so like, funny. what's this? Yeah. No, so, I like I like that one. Yeah. I guess if we're rounding out this 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 mob theme in in the NBA, like you know, where would where would some other players slot in? Like I feel like Melo yeah. is is like is like the cousin of LeBron who used to be this, you know, like a very high-ranking officer. He yeah. still gets respect. From yeah. LeBron, and it's always going to be seen as respectable. 
Yeah. But you can take like a new initiate and he's going to kick his ass. You know what I mean? Like you can take Melo now. <laughs> I'm not trying to disrespect Melo, but he's like, obviously he's high ranking, but he's not nearly what he used to be. But yeah. he still has that title of you got to respect him. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you can't mess around with Melo. You can't put dirt on his name. But any new initiate can can definitely take a spot and do his job so much better. Yeah. But out of respect to keep him on. You definitely have like Ja Morant as this young buck on this. On, oh, definitely. This is like howling and, and like it's Ja Morant. You know who he is. You know those. You know those movies where you have like a um, like those know it all. You know, like those young guys who are very, very ambitious. Oh, you know, and they don't and they respect the system. They, they don't, don't respect, respect the system, system the yeah. hierarchy. Yeah. They're like, yo, I could talk to LeBron James. Who? And then you got, I don't know, who's like an enforcer right now for, for LeBron? You got Jared Dudley. No, I'm just playing. Yeah. Like, who would be an enforcer for the Godfather? Regardless, uh, we can think of that in a bit. Yeah, but like yeah. an enforcer that comes in, John, like, hey, you got to know your role, kid. All right, you you've got a lot of years of this until you get to check him. Yeah, checks him. He checks him exactly. But John Brown is definitely that wise ass, like kind of like that know it all. Like, oh, I'm 20, but I know everything about this. Screw the hierarchy. I am the hierarchy sort of thing, and that might get him into trouble. Yeah. So I could definitely see that happen. You have Rondo the mercenary that switches sides. <laughs> He's like that very talented hitman that shows yeah. up when you really need him. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is a high-profile guy that you got to kill, Rondo. I know you, you messed up in the past, yeah. you know, with the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a high-ranking guy. You've got to get rid of him, and Rondo will show up. Yeah, yeah. I would say Definitely. Boogie is kind of like that enforcer type yes. guy. He's yes. going to be like that, just like that dim-witted, like, yo, what? You want me to take, you want me to take care That's of him, so boss? Mean. <laughs> That's a dim witted. He's like, you want me to take care of him, boss? Boss, he, he's walking over. He's walking over. Yeah, no, now they all have these actors. Somehow they, they all got New York pizza rats accents. Pizza rat. Wait, that's so funny. Wait, I, I want to continue with this. Okay, so you've been more so into this mafia stuff. What are some other. Okay, other you, you roles, know who yeah. I think Adam Silver is? Yeah. There's obviously like the political guy who's on the payroll as well, right? Like that mayor, like that guy that's just like you, you, you know, in the movie, you're like, wait, the prime minister also has ties yeah. with the mafia. Yeah. <laughs> that is Adam Silver. He is 100 percent you know, kissing the ring of LeBron James and asking him what to do on certain things. I yeah. see that as Adam Silver, that well, the commissioner that you would you would be surprised yeah. is on the payroll. Shams Tarania 100% is the reporter that reports <laughs> the, like news from the mob and stuff like that. Like, and Woj is the reporter that reports for like the league and the cops and stuff like that. But Shams is always just like, you know, leaking PR pieces to make the mob look good and stuff. It's like, oh, oh look, LeBron donated a thousand turkeys in Brooklyn or something like that to families Kyle, for Thanksgiving. Kyle Kuzma is like, you know, like when he was on the Lakers, he's like that guy that's just like that young buck that yeah. he dresses so fly, hard, dresses he dresses fast, fly, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's prone to making a lot of mistakes. Yeah. So he's going to be like that that guy. If there's a cop who tries to infiltrate, Kyle Kuzma is going to be the loudmouth. He's going to be the club with a bunch of girls. He's going to be like, oh, you know what, LeBron James? He's going to get drunk. He get a few drinks of him. He's going to tell you the whole the whole story of the gang. Like that's what yeah. Kyle Kuzma is. <laughs> I'm just thinking to American Gangster, like that piano scene. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, where like okay. he smashes that. Definitely Kyle Kuzma wearing the glasses. He's like LeBron's driver who messed up and like 
artist cousin. LeBron's like, take those damn glasses off. Where do you think Jimmy Butler is placed in all oh. of this? Is he the guy that's like the inf- I feel like he's kind of the guy that disrupts the hierarchy. In, in yeah. the sense where he's like the guy that's like, like I bet on myself. I don't gotta I don't gotta be in this, I don't gotta be in no system. I, I can do this by myself. I could even see Jimmy as a cop. I could I could see Jimmy yeah. as like a I as see like Jimmy an outlaw as, cop like that kind guy. of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly it's that. like an outlaw yeah. cop where he's like, you know, he's like he's like, I'm not afraid of anyone. This is just a job. I'm on a business trip taking care exactly. of this, down these guys. That's but I was thinking about that one. I feel like he would be the yeah. main guy in a mafia movie, like the main the protagonist. Yeah, he would be the one who beats Kuzma's ass to get information. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Definitely. Like he he pushes the he pushes the boundaries. Like he's like a dirty cop, but he's like intentions are good, like kind of thing. <laughs> this is you've been watching way too many mafia yeah, movies. I, so I, much. I actually have. I actually have I've watched so much. <laughs> this is all I'm into. Oh my god, wait, this is this is such a good topic though. Yeah. But I think we laid out the uh the primary yeah. the primary structure of how this how this mafia works. And there you go. It is clear that there's this mafia mindset or this hierarchy in everything. You don't think yeah. at work, you know, you 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 don't you don't think there's a hierarchy there. It doesn't matter if you're tech support, you got your manager, you got yeah. your VP of IT, you've got your you know, CFO, whatever, all these CIOs, they it's it's all hierarchy. It's all a mafia. It's all a mob. Everything is. And because of what? A sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. We are immediately drawn to that. We want to be a part of something. Even if you have those people that are like, no, I'm an outcast. Well, guess what? That is your sense of belonging. Other outcasts. Yeah. So <laughs> that's just how it is, man. That's my opinion on it, at least. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I I, I agree one hundred percent. It's it's um, it's it's crazy to think about like um, how you can apply that org structure and like that everything kind of slots into place when you start viewing it from that lens, right? When it when it when it comes to when it comes to the mob, and it's crazy how you're right. Like it's part of so much of our art and so much of what we consume from a media perspective, and definitely you know it has like dark ties and like there's there's stuff that maybe it promotes that it shouldn't promote and things like that but from a from an entertainment perspective and from like an entertainment value perspective i mean there's a reason why some of the best movies are mob movies right there's a reason why so many dads think scarface or goodfellas is like the best movie ever made or or whatever it might be right so yep it's it's definitely up there yeah so i have uh one last topic that I thought would be a little bit fun uh, yeah. just before we close off this podcast. Um, it is as of right now, the day after Halloween. Yeah. And um, of course we know with Halloween, one of the main things uh, before this craziness of the pandemic was trick or treating. You go door to door, you ask for some candy, you ask for some chocolate with a very, you know, any, any costume at all. Um, I've had my fair share of really weird ones. I think I wore a scream mask and a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. And when somebody asked me what I was, I said I am a hockey monster guy. So monster guy. And uh, you wore the mask, which is good. I've gone out with just the jersey. I've gone out with just the (laughs) the most low effort. costume what are you i'm a basketball player <laughs> it was a hockey jersey too it was a colorado avalanches hockey jersey 
Oh my god. I'm not even gonna ask why you owned a Colorado Avalanche jersey. But um great for what I wanted to ask you is on the topic of very weird topics of weird discussion with NBA players. Yes. Because we have a knack for that. We love doing things like this. And I, for one, love it as well. I think it's super fun. My question to you is, if you were to go to a certain NBA player's home, what type of candy or chocolate would they give? So, Mm. for example, if you were to go to Russell Westbrook's home, I feel like he would definitely give you like a bunch of energy drinks and celery, just high energy. But yo, I'm not going to give you chocolate sort of thing. You got to work hard at the gym. Either that or he's going to give you a playbook. Like I'll see you tomorrow at practice. You know I, what I'm I, I, I was going to say, I was going to say he would open the door only to say he's giving nothing because to leave <laughs> his lights off, to leave his lights off and just not even answer the door. No, no, no. That would be too, that would be too no, like, passive. He, he's he'd much open more the door. He'd be, what the that. hell do you want? I'm not giving anything. Get out of here. So, um, one that I have is if a Clippers fans go, if a Clippers fan goes to Kawhi Leonard's home or Paul George's home, I think that uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George will give that respective Clippers fans their favorite chocolate. Um, But the thing is, is when you open it, it's completely empty. So they give you that hope. You know how sometimes you could just you could just uh, glue the the wrapper so it looks like it's a full piece of chocolate, but when you open it, it's completely empty. Oh man! <laughs> okay, All that's right. what I think. Kawhi Leonard or Paul George would give. Okay, fine. On that note, Giannis would give you like a Snickers bar or a Mars bar, the full size one. But when you'd open it, you'd realize it was the dollar store brand of it. It'd be, the, it'd, be <laughs> it'd be the meteor bar or like the Pluto bar or whatever. Like, you know, those if you go to Dollarama, they have those. Oh, those, have those weird yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah. You're like, you look from afar and you're like, oh, is that a Mars bar? And you walk up and it says meteor on it or something. Like, it's this <laughs> knockoff brand. So you'd, you'd wrap those up and give those to you. So you'd be like, oh, wow, this is amazing. This is like Shaq in his prime, and you take a bite, and you're like, "Oh no, no wait this, a minute! This, oh, this no. guy, this guy got swept. <laughs> <laughs> this chocolate got swept. <laughs> Some off-brand knockoff, like." Okay, let's let's try to think of a couple more, and then maybe we yeah. can just uh, conclude with this podcast. All right. Well, um, you, you definitely have like. Let me think. Like uh, Duncan Robinson and JJ Redick would give full size like like Kit Kat bars and stuff like that. 100%. Yeah. They'd be oh, the best oh, neighborhood. Sure. Best oh, neighborhood Duncan on Robinson, the block. JJ, dude, yeah. they are, you, you know, sometimes during Halloween, I would get money as well. Like oh Duncan Robinson God. and JJ Reddick. Yeah, there's just one guy. He literally used to give money for Halloween. That's crazy. A $5 bill right in my bag. So weird. All for a hockey monster it. guy. Hockey monster guy. They, they loved hockey monster guy. But definitely, JJ Reddick, Duncan Robinson, they uh, Kyrie Irving would give you a book, right? <laughs> but it's not even going to be a book that you can read. You're going to look at it. You're going to flip through the pages. It's going to be empty. Then you look at it. He's going to be like, you've got to write your own destiny. And then he'll close the door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's that's good. That's definitely good. Uh, let, 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 me think, let me think of some other ones. You definitely have like, players like who's who's a really bad influence in the league someone who's just like oh my god uh jr smith would definitely 
Well, that answers that question. What he'd be giving. That's what J.R. Smith would. The, yeah. You know what J.R. Smith would give your child, and <laughs> that's exactly whatever you're thinking. Yeah. He would. Give. Yeah. There you go. Let's that is what the answer. Oh, oh man. man. Well, then, I guess. You got some more? I, I, I think I think like the, the last one I'd have is like Luka Doncic wouldn't give anything because he'd be out trick-or-treating himself. <laughs> and Jason been- Tatum, Jason Tatum would also have that same energy that people look at him like, yo, aren't you a grown man? Yo, what you doing here, bud? But you're, I'm only 13. <laughs> oh man. Oh no, that those are those are some good ones. Those yeah. are some good ones. I like that. All um, right, man. This but I dope. guess on yeah. that note, then let's conclude this episode. This is a really fun one. We've yeah. talked about quite a few different things. Um, and of course, for you guys, thank you so much for uh, staying, staying this far and listening to this podcast in its entirety. Please do watch us on YouTube. That is where you're going to be able to. It's just going to feel like even more of an interaction between us. You're going to be able to see us. You're going to be able to see, um, you know, like if we show pictures from time to time, we're going to be able to see that from the video as well. It just keeps things a lot more fun and interactive. You will find us when you search up the session, a basketball podcast on YouTube. So be sure to check us out on there. Of course, we've got Instagram going and flowing at the session ball. You guys know it. The session ball. It's still a very active Instagram page. We're still interacting with anybody that messages us. And that's an open invite to everybody and anybody. Continue chatting with us. We love it. Yeah. So on that note, from everyone here at the session, cheers. See ya.